Hey, welcome to the Default Alive podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. Andy's back. Chris, how are you? <laughs> I am back. Uh, I am doing well. I, I, uh, I've really enjoyed listening to the, our own show uh, yeah. while I've been out. You've had some awesome people on. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been great. It's, I've had a lot of fun with it. Um, missed you, obviously. I think the the audience missed you as well. But uh, <laughs> it was a it was a good kind of interlude there. I think what well, we had four guests: so yeah. Louis Nichols, Noah Bragg, Louis Grenier, and then Jane Portman. And uh, it was a nice nice spread there. Yeah, it was really good been super fun so i'm um, i'm stoked to, i mean i have a couple of updates but i just want to know like how are things going what what was it like uh uh the last month i guess because i don't even know february okay yeah your son was born on the 10th was it yep january 10th so it's been wow. about a month yeah that's crazy so are all the stereotypes stereotypes true and uh cliches true of sleepless nights and um parenthood and birth and everything <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say a lot of them are true. Um, you know, the, the one big one for me has been, you know, I've, I've just felt like it's just been so awesome and it's, it's easily been the, the best thing that I've ever done. Uh, mm. you know, anything I've done career wise or with Jeppu is just like, doesn't even compare, uh, <laughs> which, I didn't necessarily expect to feel that way beforehand. Uh, you know, I would always, sometimes you hear people like, oh, my kids are like my greatest accomplishment and you don't really get it. Um, right. But yeah, to me that, that cliche has definitely become true now. Uh, so that's, that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. That's crazy. So you had, yeah. you had slacked me. <laughs> you said there's a, um, there's so many analogies and metaphors <laughs> to, uh, starting a business and, and bootstrapping a baby. So tell me what, all about that. Oh man. So, so many cringy things come to mind. Uh, but you know, the, the one thing I noticed right away was, uh, when we brought him home from the hospital, the first day, it's like, you have pretty much absolutely no idea what you're doing, or at least like, you know, I, I don't have, um, I've never had a lot of experience with babies, like family members or anything like that. So, uh, you know, it, everything was totally new. Uh, you're basically just learning as you go. There's no real right. way to prepare for it. Like the only way to learn is by doing it. Uh, and so in some regards that, that felt similar to, uh, starting a business. Like you can try to read books and, um, you know, learn from other people and prepare, but until you're actually doing it, like that's, that's really the only way to learn. Um, and yeah, just like the, the very beginning is just, we're running around our house. We have no processes in place, like, uh, you know, trying to change him. And it's like, Oh, where are the, where are the wipes? Like, where's the new outfit? Uh, just total chaos. Um, right. but you quickly learn and you, um, you know, start to build processes around feeding and changing and all of that. And, uh, yeah, uh, every day gets a little bit easier and, and it's been a month now and we're in a pretty good place. So yeah, it's, it's been cool. It's been a lot of fun. That's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. how have things been like business wise through that? So I know you 
I mean, I think it did a fantastic job sort of like wrapping things up and preparing beforehand. But even then, I, I know that things are still like a little bit crazy. And then were you able to just kind of like completely let go and like check out or were you checking in on things? Were there any fires that you had to put out? Yeah. So <laughs> the, the week before my son was born, uh, I had planned on that the only, you know, I figured like code's complete. All I want to do is just, uh, do a couple updates to the JetBoost website to, uh, announce like a few new features that had released like right at the end of the year. Well, the week before my son was born, all of a sudden started facing very large, uh, scaling issues on the server side with JetBoost. Um, so had this happened a week later, like this was like my nightmare scenario of, mm. you know, servers are going down and we're at the hospital. Like I, I can't even imagine, wow. uh, fortunately it happened the week before and, um, so there was like a like partial outage, uh, and and I knew this would happen at some point. I mean, this happens to uh, every single tech company as it grows, and uh, particularly with JetBoost, I, there are certain technologies that it relies on, uh, and you know the a lot of the code has been written, um, you know, without trying to do pre-optimization and uh, trying to optimize more for pushing things out, not necessarily like this needs to scale to uh, tens of thousands of sites or whatever. Um, and we're not quite there yet, but we are growing. And um, so I spent like three days just like fiendishly rewriting huge parts of the core, optimizing things. Um, and so that was on the, that was January 6th, 7th and 8th. And then my son was born on the 10th. Uh, Pushed out a lot of changes right before he was born, but luckily everything uh, held up. And uh, yeah, then after that, I was able to really unplug for uh, about th three weeks. Uh, I would say the first two weeks, I did almost nothing. I maybe responded to a couple emails, but for the most part, I just kind of checked out and, and just let thing, things sit. And it was very uncomfortable. I, I felt very guilty about it um mm -hmm. you know the the support queue like grew massively uh response times were very very slow i still haven't caught up on email yet but it, it just it was definitely not a priority like the it, things like really shifted for me when he was born it was just like whatever happens happens you know if, if people are upset mm -hmm. or if uh you know, obviously I still want to be able to help people and, and, and get it up and running on their sites, but like, it's just not the number one priority for me right now. And, um, so that, that it actually was a little bit difficult for me mentally to, to sit with that and be okay with it. But I was after the first two weeks, then, um, third week I was pretty good about, uh, you know, just, just enjoying my time with new family and, uh, and then this past week started getting back into it a little bit more and, and, uh, trying to, trying to catch up on support still, still quite a bit behind, but yeah. 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 That, that's amazing. It reminds me of, um, our earlier chat, maybe a couple months ago where we talked about taking time off and sort of intrigued by like the science behind mentally being able to take time mm -hmm. off and how it usually takes people like a week 
to like then get in the state of like relaxation and unplugging and like another week to really uh, start to enjoy the benefits of that. And so it sounds like it kind of followed a similar timeline of like first week or two, you know, felt guilty, but then you slowly started to let go of that, felt less guilty. Third week felt like maybe you were kind of in the groove of things. And now fourth week you're ramping back up again, but (laughs) at least you had, you know, a good amount of time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and beforehand I was really worried that like, you know, so far even holidays or whatever, like I'll take a day or two, maybe three days at the most, but then I'm like right back into it. And so I was worried that maybe that would happen. Um, but instead that wasn't the case and it was, you know, I was totally fine with taking time off, which was good. Yeah. That's awesome. And living up to your name as uh, just in time there with, uh, <laughs> The changes yeah. on the seventh and the eighth, and then your son being born yeah. on the tenth, and yeah, I'm. I mean, it's crazy. I, do, was there a reason why it happened that week? Like, it's it is crazy to me that it happened the week before, and like, was it was it related to anything or any new customer? It, it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't related to anything new. Um, it was more. I think a couple large custom. Uh, by large, I mean like. Uh, customers with like very large CMSs uh, joined that week from uh, kind of the investigation that I was doing. Mm. And it was, it was enough to uh, be kind of a tipping point for some of the uh, less, less optimized parts of the code. Hmm. So, so that was really, it was just like a couple of large customers and had they joined a week later, then they would have had a very different experience. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting. I never really thought about it before, but it, I mean, not really, but it makes me think like, oh, maybe there's a case to be made around even like slowing down or turning off signups if you're out completely, you know, like (laughs) because of those things, if you really don't want things to change and just like maintain, I don't know, just like make it application only or something and then like wait a couple of weeks or I don't know. Uh, That's very, very cautious, but it just, I had that thought while you're, while you're mentioning that. Yeah, that is kind of interesting. Uh, I, I guess I didn't really consider that, but that's maybe not a bad strategy if you're, yeah, you know, small like indie business, and uh, it would certainly help with being able to take like a large amount of time off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. I'm really glad that things have gone well and hasn't been kind of too crazy. Uh, what, what's it been like coming back? Yeah. Uh, well, I will say, you know, the, the other kind of shocking thing for me was, so I, I worked that first week of January and then took the rest of it off basically. And, um, and like I said, the support queue piled up, but January ended up being the best month for JetBoost ever as far as, uh, yeah, as far as like MRR growth and, uh, new signups and all of that. So, you know, and obviously there's, there's, there's usually a bump at the beginning of the year. January is usually a good month for, for a lot of online business, but, um, to, to have that happen while I was off, uh, while I wasn't being as re- responsive as normal, uh, it was a little bit eye opening. Hmm. Like <laughs> part of me is like, okay, I'm putting, you know, 80% of my effort in for, uh, the 20% of customers who are struggling with it. And yet there's this, you know, if I don't do that, there's still the 80% of customers who get it and just go on, uh, you know, set it up and 
go about their life. Right. Right. Kind of interesting. Yeah. That, that was, um, so I was reading your investor update, which I still need to send out mine. I'm going to send it out today, hopefully a week late as usual. But, um, <laughs> I think you had mentioned how, uh, that was like a previous hypothesis was that the trial conversion rate and the number of new customers was kind of related to the support required. And like a lot of your support was directly with people kind of getting set up for the first time. Is that still mm-hmm. true or is it true in a different way or is it just like completely different? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's still true. Um, you know, the one thing I did notice was the, uh, in January, the activation rate was lower than normal. So I consider like mm-hmm. an activated JetBoost customer to be someone who is able to successfully create at least one of the boosters installed on their site. Um, and that was down pretty significantly. I, I would say it was down like 10%. Um, but I mean, still overall, everything else was, was okay. So yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that was also yeah. maybe related to just the fact that it's the new year and people are trying it out, but maybe, you know, it's kind of like yeah. an influx in the, uh, the numerator. That's the top, top number, whatever it is. Yeah. Or no, it's denominator, true. the bottom number and the number of people actually, you know, successfully installed it are the same or relatively the same, but you kind of have this, this bump in new interest. Yeah. And I mean, to be fair, that's that what you just described is exactly what I saw. Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. I I had seen a a tweet about uh oh it was someone that tweeted I'll I'll go find it and put it in the show notes but they said that it's like this weird dichotomy but oftentimes oh, I think it was Ryan Colt maybe he said that like plateaued SaaS businesses are like the most profitable SaaS businesses because if you're not like constantly investing in marketing and sales and like all things related to growth, hiring new people, then like revenue can still like go up or maybe stay flat, but then like your expenses really sort of mm. stay even. And then you actually are like making good money. But it also reminded <laughs> me of you know, how you it's were saying uh, January was good, despite like you being absent because mm-hmm. you had been like making these deposits over time on the marketing side of things. And now you have this kind of momentum and inertia and that can carry you through months where you're not even there, which is great. Like that's, that's the dream, right? Where it's, you know, detached from, from you and all of your effort every day. Like now it's paying off the things you you did six months ago or even a year ago. Yeah. As far as like profitability, uh, against hours worked by me, <laughs> like <laughs> January wasn't even close to fantastic. Years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I can see how that kind of relates to what Ryan was saying. That's interesting. Yeah, but anyway, so, you know, coming back now, um, it's been challenging for sure. I will say that. Uh, number one, just the, it was great to be able to take three weeks totally off. Uh, but I I really wish I would have, you know, the, the product was in a great place. I wish I could have gotten the business side in a little bit better of a place. Um, particularly around, you know, as I've talked about on probably almost every episode, uh, support <laughs> and, uh, hiring someone to be able to handle 
some of the technical support there. Uh, it would make coming back easier right now for me. Uh, instead, it's just this, you know, I'll get the queue down a little ways and then uh, wake up the next day and it's, it's basically back up to where it was. Hmm. Uh, so trying to, trying to chip away at that and, you know, still at some point, <laughs> I still need to build out the, the new marketing pages for the new features, for the new pricing, uh, and actually like officially announce that because I, ha I haven't done that yeah. yet. And, uh, you know, anyone who has gone in and, and f uh, of existing customers and found the bundle pricing, like a, a lot of them have switched and uh, some of them emailed me and said, you know, this is super cool or we're glad you're kind of like clarified the pricing. Uh, obviously it's cheaper for them now. Um, so that's, uh, you know, that's something that we, we definitely need to officially announce. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's, it sounds like what I'm hearing is like, it's basically, it's, it's been hard coming back to do the things that you don't <laughs> want to do and, or felt like you should have done a while back, which I can totally understand, especially on the technical support side of things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, it's, it's basically like, had I been able to take three weeks off and have people in place who were covering, uh, for me, you know, whether that's support or marketing or even product development, um, it's like, yeah, coming back would be not as big of a challenge right now, but now it's like, okay, I'm coming back, but also like have three weeks of catch up to do, uh, uh yeah. while, yeah not coming back full time yet, still just trying to work a few hours a day at most. And, um, yeah, that's, that's hard right now. Now you have to do three weeks worth of work <laughs> on top <laughs> yeah. of the new work that you need to do to just, you know, keep going essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's a hard that's one. That's where I'm at. Did you, um, I don't know the timing of it. Uh, and again, I'll, I'll link it to, in the show notes, but did you happen to see, uh, Sahil Lavingia's, uh, tweet blog post. I think he, he like started up kind of like a blog ish on, um, like how they basically structured Gumroad to be entirely sort of like contractors and just like part-time people, uh, instead. And they basically have like no full-time employees, not even himself. Oh, interesting. No, I didn't see that. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll send it to you and I'll link it to it in the show notes and uh and make a link or a note for it but it was pretty fascinating he um we could talk about me next week but uh he basically talked about how he realized like w once gumroad started to become successful again you know he went through like the whole uh mm -hmm. layoffs and then like pr blast and then depression and then like things started going well again investors uh you know relinquished their shares and like he was like oh this is like profitable and growing and like semi-successful company and then he had kind of this turning point of like well i could start hiring a bunch of people again but he was scared of letting them go so i think he started hiring more contractors and then fairly recently maybe in the last year again kind of came at a crossroads where he's like well maybe i need a head of product or maybe i need a head of marketing maybe i need a head of customer success but i didn't really want to hire anyone full-time and so now that's like this whole team of part-time you know, half-time, quarter-time people, uh, including himself. And it was like, I mean, it's, it's cool because it's core to kind of their ethos is like, you know, by creators, for creators, essentially. Mm -hmm. And everyone else has, everyone on the team has their own like 
side gig or full gig even that like really pays the bills for them and Gumroad is like the side thing sometimes um interesting but i thought that was interesting you know especially you given uh you know on the engineering side of thing on the support side of things anyone else in the future i mean for myself too i kind of like that idea uh rand fishkin has also talked about the benefits of hiring a marketing freelancer or agency rather than like a full-time marketer and um it's an interesting shift so i don't know what we could talk about maybe more next week when you dive into it a bit if you have time but uh reminded me of that yeah it is interesting because the one uh one thing i've heard i guess in opposite of that is that if you hire someone part-time like you're spending just as much uh of your resources or, or time sort of training them, uh, having them learn about the business and work on it. So, uh, it can almost be more efficient to hire someone full time. At least hmm. I, I've heard that from people, uh, actually at Ernest. So uh, interesting. Just on like the, basically like the other founders at Ernest, I mean, right. Like the startup yeah. costs of hiring mm-hmm. and onboarding someone is the same mm-hmm. for full time versus part time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could definitely see. But that. yeah, I'll have to read Sahil's article and see what he says about that. Yeah. It's not like a very um super like instructional, but it's more just like a hey, here's how we do things and here's like my thought process mm-hmm. through it. So I like that he kind of, you know, he tackles it in that respect, but uh yeah, it is interesting. It makes me makes me think a little bit more, you know, future of work kind of stuff. It's like made me think to you know, we've had remote work and now it's, is it going to be like, there was like the whole gig economy thing, you know, mm-hmm. 10 years ago, but now it's like, oh, maybe this is really kind of the fruition of it is the W2 kind of goes away a little bit and maybe the majority of people are not full-time employees and they're, so everyone switches to kind of like contractor and or half-time, part-time, three-quarters time, who knows? Yeah, it, it certainly could go that way. I think it it would help a lot if health insurance was provided by the government and not by your full-time employer, which is right. hugely unfortunate <laughs> for anyone who wants to try to, you know, be a creator or uh, be entrepreneurial. That's, that's a big hurdle for a lot of people. Yeah, that's a huge one. I mean, even for myself, I don't know if I mentioned it actually. I think I did, but uh, in December, I finally picked up my own health insurance <laughs> Oh, nice! <laughs> and um, <laughs> it was not a easy or fun process yeah. and it's not cheap either. Um, I mean, it's, it's fairly cheap for me now being a, you know, my wife still has insurance under her parents. Uh, this year is going to be going away. So we'll have to figure that out and cross the road when we get there. Um, but that definitely is a, you know, the benefits, the perks, there's actually a, like there's an interesting case to be made on both sides of, you know, very much like for and against universal healthcare or free healthcare, like however you want to kind of like frame it, um, of like either side is kind of like opposed to, uh, like company sponsored or like corporate sponsored health insurance. Cause then like, if that's the only like means to get it, then right. you're screwed either way. Like if right. you don't have, if there isn't free, you know, universal healthcare, then like you're screwed. And if, you're an entrepreneur and there isn't, and, but then like you're also screwed. <laughs> so 
both can be traced back to that big change of, uh, I forget when it happened. It was like the sixties or the seventies or something mm-hmm. like that. And it was now it's like this big domino effect. Right. Yeah. I think as you get older too, you know, I'm, I'm no longer a, a young college kid, but yeah, <clears throat> when you're a young college kid you're like healthcare, what? Like, that's fine. I don't, right. I don't need that. Like I'm invincible. I'm still fairly young and I still kind of think that way, but the older you get, the, the bigger, you know, risk there is and the more important it gets. Yeah. I had like a year in my twenties where early twenties where I had, I was buying my own health insurance and it was like the, (laughs) whatever the cheapest possible plan you could buy where, you know, uh, it it probably wouldn't have even helped at all if I had any sort of major uh, thing, but yeah, as you get older covers. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, w- we, we saw it when, uh, you know, a few weeks when we got back from the hospital and, uh, we start getting the, here's what we're charging your insurance. And it's like mm. tens of thousands of dollars to, to have a baby, to have, yeah. uh, you know, the hospital stay and all of that. And it's just like, wow. Uh, luckily my, my wife has good insurance, but <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. Astronomical. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. me now. This is maybe my year where I have the cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> <health insurance plan. laughs> I don't actually know what it covers and just, I have it. Yeah. And, uh, I think I'm supposed to have it still too. I'm not sure what's going to be changing or rolling out with a new administration now, but, um, I think I'm, I think it's still, you can, there's some sort of penalty if you don't have health insurance and there's like a window too. I actually didn't realize it, but I, I did it kind of just in the nick of time. If I waited another week, (laughs) I think I would have been (laughs) kind of in trouble and would have had to wait Uh a long time. I I actually saw this is a little bit unrelated, but um, when I was looking through different providers, I was like, well, do I go? I started noticing there's a lot more uh, like newer companies and startups kind of in the space and healthcare providers. And that, of course, intrigues me (laughs) as a as a guy in tech and kind of, um, you know, cutting edge. And that always appeals to me. Uh, they didn't quite fit the bill though. There was one in particular Oscar that I was really interested in and I can't remember exactly why I didn't, but there was like one kind of big piece I think that I was missing. And I I actually saw that they're like about to go public. I think they're going public through some sort of SPAC or direct Mm. listing or something like that. Um, but that's an interesting kind of space to be in and to watch. And, uh, Tyler's talked about it before, but you know, healthcare mm-hmm. is such a huge thing, regardless of like what the solution is that can unlock so much for entrepreneurs, for families, for, um, the economy. Like it's just such a ginormous piece of the puzzle. Yeah, totally. It's such a complex thing too. Like, uh, I, I'm like you, I, I like seeing sort of the, the alternatives that pop up to the traditional, um, health insurance, health provider industry. At the same time, I can't imagine (laughs) trying to be an innovator in that space. Oh, Uh, that that would be extremely difficult. I mean, it's gotta literally be like the hardest thing in the entire world. I don't, there's probably, you know, no more, no other space that has as much like regulation and legal requirements and government involvement and, like all these different dynamics between states and like just the whole machine of how it works oh and how people God. get it and hats off to people who are working on it because 
Seriously. I, I literally, I couldn't imagine. Um, no, thank you. But it, uh, yeah. I also thought too, like one of the reasons why Oscar was appealing, you know, you think about like the direct to consumerization of everything. And, um, for me, like I'm very much, I think I've like been, I don't even, to me, I'm so far removed. Like, I don't really even know like what you go to the doctor for. <laughs> to me, it's, I go to the doctor or I go to see someone. I, I guess I just go to the ER basically. <laughs> and I've gone to the ER like twice in the last, I think ever. And, but like, I hate everything blood related and needle related and like just checkups in general and tests and everything. And so I'm just generally, I try to avoid it. And Oscar had this interesting, uh, it was either Oscar or another one. I think maybe Oscar too, or it's all the virtual stuff and checkups and you can call anytime mm. and unlimited stuff. And that to me was like one of the big value props that appealed to me. It was like, I don't even have to go there. I can just call someone up or schedule <laughs> a video appointment. And, uh, and now I don't, I don't have to drive and make, you know, go through the whole thing in the waiting room and the check-in. And, um, I think that that, you know, that's an, another interesting piece there. Just like, what do people really care about? And, uh, I'm probably an edge case of like, I don't like going and doing all those things, but yeah, there's going to be some interesting changes maybe soon. Yeah. I wonder too, if, uh, as we saw in 2020 with COVID and online business skyrocketing, if that has made sort of the telehealth movement more prominent. Yeah. I, I would think so. I mean, yeah. yeah, it has to be actually, uh, my wife's mom is a director at uh, San Ysidro uh, Health Clinic, I think it is, here in San Diego. And um, she was the one, it was her job to, for like digital transformation at this healthcare clinic in San Ysidro, which is like huge and services, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. And like overnight they had to go from everything is in person and they have their kind of like usual services to absolutely nothing is in person. Everything is telehealth, <laughs> it's drive-through, and it's you know emergencies, things like that. And they had to just completely flip overnight. And she was the one who kind of like led that whole initiative and it was a crazy wow. couple of months for her. And so absolutely, there's like ev literally everything changed overnight. And um, now I think they're actually, they're doing a lot better and there's a lot more opportunity and they have like a whole, she came up with like this, uh, it's not like a hotline, but it's like a on-demand like doctor advice. So like same thing for me, like if I didn't want to come in and make an appointment for like, Hey, I think I'm about to die. You could just like call and then like talk to a doctor and they can give you like good advice and ask you questions and make some sort of recommendation if you should come in or not or what to do. And, mm -hmm. um, now I think that's like one of the more successful offerings for the clinic. Yeah, that's awesome. That makes a lot of sense. That was one thing I noticed uh, when my wife was pregnant that I hadn't seen in other areas of medicine where like she had basically a direct line to always be able to call someone, hey, this is going on hmm. or I'm dealing with this uh, and get a response right away, either from like the, the nurse on call or sometimes even getting, you know, escalate all the way up to a doctor. So, yeah, that that's like a way better experience than... Uh, Hmm, something's wrong. I guess I need to decide, do I go drive into the doctor's office or not and sit around waiting and all that? Yeah. I mean, I can only imagine with a baby too, because it's not as simple as like, Oh, let me just like go run 
to the doctor it's like oh we need to take the baby or who's going to watch the baby and and or it's a whole thing just to get out of the house i can imagine especially now with the pandemic and obviously health concerns like taking precautions and cleaning and who you're coming in contact with and it's got to be huge uh but how do you take that to everyone else (laughs) yeah (laughs) exactly yeah yeah one of the other one more thought there on the kind of changes but i saw that uh tyler was also talking about mortgages and home loans for entrepreneurs and just how it's so crazy and difficult and i've actually seen quite a few people probably because interest rates are so low right now but it seems like everyone and their mom is buying a home and uh and a whole bunch of obviously our people and in our sphere and especially people i follow on twitter are talking or have talked about how difficult it's been to get a mortgage and that feels like one of the other things someone talked about I, oh you know what it was it was uh it was the my first million podcast and they had imad from mercury come on and you know kind of shoot the breeze and talk ideas and i think that they talked about that and so he you know he has the the business bank account and actually just incorporated swipe files and now using mercury and super happy with them and it's um, awesome but they were talking about he's like you know starting a bank is like really hard again up there with like starting a healthcare company or organization um but then he was talking about a credit bureau and like a credit bureau for entrepreneurs and and you know home loans and mortgages and like it's a again one of those it's a huge machine and you can't just come in and like switch things up and be like oh now we offer mortgages for entrepreneurs and you have to have the whole regulations and uh licenses and the funding and another like huge opportunity that I would absolutely never take on myself. (laughs) Yeah. I saw, I saw a really good tweet. I want to say maybe it was from Matt Wensink, but I'm not sure. Uh, and I of course I can't even remember the details. So this is going to sound stupid, but it was something like, when did the USA become so against entrepreneurship? And it's like, you have to have a, W-2 to get a mortgage, to get health insurance. Um, There's maybe a few other things. It's just so frustrating. It, I mean, it's all of those things, all of those really complicated things are so much harder to do if you are, uh, you know, not employed by uh, a company. Right. And it doesn't yeah. make sense because uh, I think it was actually it was Sam Parr also, maybe it was the same conversation with Ahmad, but... um he was talking about how they just bought a house. He's, you know, well, they just sold to HubSpot. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, so it was funny timing for him, but like he employs himself through a W2. He owns the majority of the business and it's a, you know, multi, multi million dollar business, very, very successful. And he had a hard time getting a mortgage because if you own more than 50% of the company, in, that you are employed by, then they want the same, you know, they, they want all the three-year records and this mm-hmm. and that and the other. Uh, and it's the same thing. Like when, when did that become like the rule and the, uh, even if you're, if you own the majority of a very, very successful company, you're still more risky than Joe Schmo over there. Who's, <laughs> you know, just writing in how much he makes, which is not a thing, anymore, right. but you get the idea. Well, yeah, and I mean, as as unfortunately we've seen in the past year, like just because you have a full time job, like it's no more guarantee than 
having your own business really. Yeah. A hundred percent. Now it's, yeah. it's just as risky. I think people have seen that a lot. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So I don't know. To be what about you though? What's, what's been going on now that we've, you know, talked about healthcare, mortgage. <laughs> yeah. We've really, <laughs> what, the, uh, what the people come for. <laughs> I know we've really spread the gamut today. Yeah. Things have yeah. been, um, things have been interesting. I'll, I'll, I'll maybe try to give you a brief update in the last month. Uh, yeah. to be honest, it's been, it's been quite a grind, especially the last month. Um, just like still juggling consulting and the mentoring and coaching. It's been fun, but difficult. Uh, just like time wise and, and not even like, like those things are hard. It's just, it's hard for me to do what I want to do with those things also. Um, mm-hmm. and I always end up, I think we talked about this before. It's like, but you know, Monday I set my big plan and vision for the week. Tuesday, something happens. Wednesday, I'm on calls all day. Thursday, I do consulting. Friday, I try to do everything that I want to do on Monday, <laughs> which doesn't happen. And then I end up working weekends sometimes. And mm-hmm. uh, so it's been really tiring. It's been a huge learning experience. Despite that, things have been going really well, I would say. I uh, added 50 new members to in the last month for, for January oh, wow. as well. So I think now the third month in a row where I've hit my 50 new members um, kind of goal. Yeah. And so trying for that, that another 50 again in February, but it still feels like a fluke a little bit. And um, like I still can be doing so much more. And the, the big thing that's been like weighing on me is uh, launching everything as marketing, the new podcast. And so mm-hmm. I had like, a couple of false starts with um, the timing around the election. And then uh, recording all the segments and like getting the podcast episodes edited. And then last week I was going to launch and I realized that I um, recorded the wrong URL in the ad read <laughs> across oh. all the episodes. So I need oh, to no. re-record those. And now today after this call, I'm going to be launching everything as marketing. The episodes are uploading right now as you speak. Oh, wow. I was going to do it over the weekend, but it was actually gone. Um, that's been like the big thing. It's been the podcast kind of just like, making things continue and things are going really well in the, in the community. And I'm going to continue to kind of invest things in there with AMAs and just launched a book club and, uh, having people come in for like workshops and show and tell and kind of getting those scheduled. And, uh, but the, the podcast has been like the big thing that I'm finally getting out the door. So it hasn't felt like I've like, I talked about this with Louie. I think you probably heard, but it always feels like Man, I'm not doing a lot. And it's true to a certain degree. I am doing a lot. It just feels like I'm not, I don't have a lot to show for it, at least not yet. Yeah. I mean, you've hit your goal three months in a row. Right. So I that's know, which something. Is, <laughs> but it feels like a fluke, <laughs> this, which is the problem. Um, because I'm like, I don't know exactly. I do know where they're coming from. I don't know why they're joining, but I don't know why there's been 50 of them, if that makes sense. It doesn't, it feels like, with the newsletter size and with Twitter and with traffic numbers and just like the things that I'm putting out feels like it's not connected. I mean, it, it totally makes sense. Uh, every single month for jet boost feels like that. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> like <laughs> where did these people come from? Uh, you know, was this month a fluke? I totally, it totally resonates with me. I don't know if that ever goes away. I know. And, and that's really the, the hard part about marketing is I feel like unless you have like this really 
well-oiled machine where you're just like focused on a couple things and you can just like mm -hmm. see the spikes in traffic like fairly immediately it really is like the hey the things i did six months ago are like now paying off and that's like a portion of this success and then there's these other things i did months ago that are the other portions of of this success and uh it's pretty hard to like kind of goes back to um why plateaued companies are really profitable is like you're investing so much every day and then you're not going to see the results until a couple months later and you're not really going to be able to fully attribute it back and so mm -hmm. you stop all those things and then maybe you see a plateau and then you need to kickstart again <laughs> and but i just have to right. keep keep going i guess it's a little bit of a treadmill if you want to keep growing right yeah yeah well i i'm selfishly very excited for the uh everything is marketing podcast launch i've been listening to a ton of podcasts in the last month because uh i found with a baby uh usually you you need your hands to be doing something whether it's mm. uh, feeding him washing bottles all that and so to be able to uh listen to podcasts has been actually pretty awesome yeah that's fun yeah i'm excited for you yeah. to listen to it actually because i know marketing is top of mind Fred Jet, yeah. especially in 2021. And, um, you know, the whole thesis, what I'm, which I'm still trying to figure out the best way to actually articulate is that if you want to come up with good marketing and have good ideas, like don't look at what your competitors are doing or what other companies in the space is doing, like look at drastically different industries and different businesses and different people. And, um, and then you can kind of connect the dots and ideas start coming out and, start figuring out, oh, why haven't I done that before? That's an interesting idea for my business. And how could I turn that in, into something I can do? And uh, so it's not it's not a SaaS marketing podcast, yeah. but I think it'll be interest or it'll be useful for you as a SaaS business. Yeah, that totally makes me think of what you and Derek did with Savvy Cal uh, and the, the offer to buy out uh, someone's annual subscription from Calendly to switch over to Savvy Cal. When I first saw that, the first thing I thought of was, oh, this is like what the phone companies do. Like T-Mobile will offer to buy out your, you know, Verizon contract or right. whatever. And I was like, why have I never seen this in SaaS? Yeah, and exactly. That's exactly what you're saying. Like taking things from other industries and bringing it to your business. That's super cool. Yeah. Yeah. That That's a, one of the perfect examples. I'll have to reference that a few times more and, yeah. and talk about <laughs> it. But yeah, so that'll be fun. Um the other like big thing I've been sort of working on is so I've been basically I think since you've been gone, I joined this uh the, the on deck no code fellowship. I've been popping into, you know, different uh workshops and co working sessions and I'm part of a like a little mastermind where we meet uh once a week. And so I'm beginning to work on my capstone project and uh wait, sorry. Yeah, Can yeah. you just explain the on deck fellowship a little bit? Cause I've seen it so many times on Twitter yeah. and I, I haven't taken the time to actually understand what it is. Totally. So it's basically like, um, it's not a course, it's not a community. Uh, it's actually kind of like a similar problem that I have like describing swipe files, but it's basically like, I think the best word for it is a program, um, or even like an accelerator. And it's focused on like one particular theme. And so you join a cohort of, I think there's like 150 other people and we all kind of like dig in uh, with each other and we get to know each other as a community. And then we engage with people who can help with that particular theme. So we have people coming in talking about, you know, MVPs and no code tools and 
you know, like Greg Eisenberg came on and talked about how he creates MVPs with no code and then they scale it and or they destroy it or mm. they sell it. Um, product studios. And then there's like a capstone project. So something that you're supposed to work on during it. And then at the end of the, I think it's 10 weeks, actually, uh, you graduate and you have something to show for and you have new connections that you didn't have before. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And they have like, you know, a perks library and can make introductions for you. And it's all sorts of sessions. You know, there's like two or three like sessions a day that you can tune in or, or not. I usually end up tuning into about two or three of the like 15 available. Um, just cause I'd be in workshops all day long if I did them all. Uh, but yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And so you, you said you were working on the capstone project now then. Yeah. Now working on the capstone project. And so my goal has been like, can I find something that is like tangentially related to swipe files that could maybe just like be beneficial in and of itself to swipe files and maybe don't have to even monetize it. And that requires like the least amount of work and like building as possible. <laughs> so like, can I do this with just like one or two tools and like not have to do anything from scratch and just like get something out the door with very, very minimum work. And um, mm -hmm. so the idea that I kind of landed on uh, is called help a creator. And it's basically a spin on help a reporter out which I'm actually, I've realized in the last two weeks working on it that not very many, many people are familiar with. So it's maybe not a good like thing to kind of like frame against. Um, or maybe it is because the people who are familiar with it would be really interested in this new spinoff, uh, Help a Creator. But basically my whole thought behind it is I really like the premise of Harrow. I don't like the delivery of Harrow. I mm -hmm. hate the, you know, three daily newsletters is like, crazy because it's an email and it's very timely and to skim through it and it's a ton of work and it's just like clutters my inbox um even their paid product isn't very good and it's still through email which is kind of lame um and then the other problem is that it's only for reporters and journalists and now with this new creator economy mm -hmm. there's tons of other content creators there's podcasters and newsletter writers and authors and bloggers and uh content workers at companies and uh and there's independent you know journalists and reporters and and npr people and agencies and you know this whole kind of ecosystem that's com being completely left out from harrow because they're specifically for reporters and some people use it not as a reporter but they don't have the same kind of results and doesn't really cater to them in the same way i think like they're very very much in the minority like vast minority of the, the user base. So the idea is something not email and that caters to everyone else. So I'm thinking about just spinning up a community essentially through circle as the MVP to kind of like prove it out and play matchmaker a little bit to source some supply side for people who can speak on certain subjects and then su supply some demand side for content creators looking for more people to draw from and then see how it goes, launch it, get it out there, you know, maybe make it early access or application only and just try to, you know, handhold a little bit, but uh, I've kind of fleshed it out a little bit and now I just need to start sourcing or start uh, filling both the demand and supply side a little bit. So the kind of first question that comes to mind, are you worried at all about the 
time commitment on your side? I mean, given yes. <laughs> everything else you've told me that you have going on. Yes, 100%. That is like the biggest yeah. thing. Yeah. And so that, that really is why it's like a challenge to see how little time can I put to this and just do the bare minimum minimum to make it a success. Because the, the thought is, well, I don't want to create something that's another thing that's going to be like a huge time suck going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but this idea, I think, could be something that would be fairly easy to sustain because uh, then you have two sides kind of driving the inbound traffic to it. And like it's, just, it's basically just a matchmaker, right? Mm-hmm. And then really the only like time commitment maybe would be like moderation, uh, which could potentially be a huge time suck, but maybe not. Um, and so it's like a, you know, a problem I, I can deal with a little bit later, like when we get there. Yeah. So you, you basically have to bootstrap it to the point where it's like self-sustaining. Right. And then you can probably be more hands off. At least that's the theory. Or I can shut yeah. it off and yeah part ways and it was my capstone project and it was a fun experiment so yeah not super worried about cool. it's not like this is my next big thing right <laughs> right yeah I, another thought that comes to mind is there would you consider something like a swipe files fellowship or is there something like that for marketing 100 percent uh i think that's kind of like next on my roadmap for swipe files like a big thing um hmm. i actually i don't know well i was asked to basically create um like that kind of program for on deck and i turned it down because hmm. uh, i wanted to do it for myself and i felt like it was a good fit for swipe files um, yeah i think they'll probably create something like that in the future and i'd even be a part of it as like a founding fellow again maybe in that one but I think that I have a pretty good idea of like a swipe files type of, you know, fellowship. Um, I don't know like the exact premise or kind of like name, but definitely along that same track of like, that's really specific outcome, really specific theme, 10 week kind of like more live experience. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything that you described, I was thinking, Oh, I want that. But for, but for marketing something like swipe files like marketing yeah hmm. okay well that's good feedback i'll have to think on that a bit <laughs> i've wanted to do that and actually right now yeah. too I'll, I'll be your first customer yes, yes, yes. <laughs> cohort-based uh courses are like really hot right now we've seen um what's his name mm-hmm. goggin and uh and wes and i forget their third co-founder now i feel really bad but uh they're building like a new startup t- specifically for cohort based courses. And so that's really hot. And it's not like I'm mm. trying to get in on it, but just, I can feel sort of some of the need for it. It feels like a wave coming. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Amy Hoy has been doing cohort based cor- right. courses for years now, and she's usually right about everything. So <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm just going to follow in their footsteps person. and just uh, yeah. <laughs> dig in the mind of their lessons. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't, I don't know if I'll actually make any progress on that this week. Um, my main goal is to launch everything as marketing, catch up on consult, some consulting stuff, keep planning for, keep moving the ball forward and some of this community stuff for swipe files and, uh, and just keep going. <laughs> awesome. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just one foot in front of the other. I, I had a weekend up in Lake Arrowhead with some friends 
and had a good chance to kind of like unplug, even though it was only three days, very much unplugged. And um, so I really haven't even thought about what's next for this week besides launch everything as marketing. Hey, I think if that's all you do, that's, that's a solid week. Yeah. That'll feel productive finally to get out yeah. there and <laughs> feel good about it. What, what does the, the launch for that look like? Um, basically it's going to look like me <clears throat> tweeting and then emailing all the guests and asking them to share, oh, emailing nice. the newsletter and then emailing the Swifel's sort of advisory newsletter as well to ask some of these people to share, which some of them were also guests. So, uh, it won't be a, a super hard ask. Um, and then probably later this week, I'm going to do some things around, uh, promotion and maybe having like a drive towards getting reviews. Um, mm. and then also spinning up some new types of content to promote, to promote each one of the episodes, like a, you know, summary takeaways, maybe some short video clips, things like that. Awesome. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We'll see. It'll be, uh, I need to do a better job of it, but I have my, you know, my experiments log for swipe files of like all my big projects for marketing swipe files. And uh, mm -hmm. so I have one created for launch a podcast and I'm going to do my best to keep that updated with all my thoughts and progress and things that I do to see how well it works. Nice. Yeah. That'll, that'll be, be really fun. cool. Cool, man. Well, I won't take too much more time. Uh, I know you've now have uh, another big commitment, a new project. <laughs> you probably need to get back to, <laughs> but it's been great catching up and yeah, uh, we'll have to really chat good. more offline or I guess online, but not recording and, uh, and catch up some more. Yeah. Sounds great. It's been, you know, I, I really have missed, uh, doing this podcast. So, uh, excited to be back for that. Good to have you back. All right. Well, we'll have all the show notes and mentions or sorry, all the notes and mentions and links in the show notes and we'll see you in the next one.